our theme verse is uh, what we're casting for the entire year. This is what I'm praying the Lord will really begin to build in our church. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. It's there on the screen. And our custom is we read it together. Are you ready to do that with me? Okay. On the count of three, let's read it out loud in unison. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together, we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. And I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Can you believe it? We're almost through the whole book of Ephesians. It's been a wonderful journey. I hope you've got a good grasp on the book now. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's begin here at verse 1. Imitate God. Reading out of the New Living Translation. Imitate God. Everybody say, imitate God. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're His dear children. Live a life filled with love. Mm. Tell you, if there's any one thing I want you to take out of the message today, it's that right there. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. He loved us, and He offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. A greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. The anger of God, oh my, will fall on those who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. Is there anybody in the house today that once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from and of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's ask the Lord's blessing on this time as we open his word. Jesus, I just thank you for your word. And I just ask mighty God that you'll help us. Oh, mighty God, as I read this, uh, I'm sure where many of us find ourselves on that list of ways that we ought not be. But Lord, I thank you that your light has come into our lives. I thank you your love has come into our lives. And in light of that, mighty God, I ask that you'll help us to be the mighty men and mighty women that you have called and ordained us to be. And so, Lord, I just ask your hand on this time. Let your anointing rest in this place. Anoint me that I would preach under the unction of your spirit with authority as I ought to. And anoint every listener within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that receives what you your spirit is speaking to us today. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love the book of Ephesians, man. Has this series been a blessing to you so far? 
I sure hope so. I, I, I felt it even as we were coming here into Kona that the very same thing that the Lord has that the Lord did there in Ephesus, I believe, is what He's going to do here. And so that's the reason that we're preaching on this. Now, just to kind of review, and I can summarize in two statements what the first number of chapters has done. In fact, this is really important. Did you know the two most important questions you could ever ask in life? This is a big deal. The two most important questions that you could ever ask or have answered in life. Number one, this is the absolute most important question ever. Number one is... Who is God? The reason I feel like that's the most important question is, is, uh, man, you, that's, eternity is, is in the balance based on that question. Your significance in life, is, is all of this meaningless or is there a purpose? Is there a creator? Is there a mind behind everything that we see and that we witness? Who is God? If you get that question right, I tell you, you're, you're being set up for success in this life, but you're also being set up for eternal and abundant life. That's what the first couple chapters of the book of Ephesians is, is who is Jesus and, and where is he seated and what does he have the authority to do and what has he accomplished? And, and it leads into the second most important question that we could ever have answered in life and that is, who am I? Who am I? In light of who God is, which by the way, do you know the answer to that question? Let me answer it the way that the Apostle Paul, I'm going to teach you a phrase that Paul uses regularly because people say, well, do we worship the same God as, as the, the Muslim? Do we worship the same God as, as uh, even as the Jew? You know, people ask that question and uh, I would say yes to that, no to the former. But here's the answer. Here's the proper answer to the question. This is the way the Paul, that Paul says it. He says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a theologically accurate. So who is our God? Uh, can, can you say that phrase with me right now? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, not everybody said it. Let's try again. Are you with me right now? Oh, do you, have you got it now? Here we go. One, two, three. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if anybody ever asks you, if, a, if you ever talk to a, a Muslim and they say, oh, we worship the same God, your response can be very simple. Really? You worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's our God. It's very important that we recognize who that is and, uh, and who we are. If we understand who we are, then I tell you, who has God called me to be? What has He created me to do? Where am I seated? That's, where, that's what, what Ephesians is all about. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's because of our position in Christ that we have authority to pray for people who have cancer. We have authority to take, uh, we, uh, to take, to take uh, authority over those who are demonized. You know, we've got, we have the right to extend the kingdom of God in places like Kona we have the ability to love people that are difficult to love somebody say thank you Jesus and so who is God and who am I in light of who God is and so we look here and I love how Paul begins this chapter he says imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children 
That's a good reason to imitate God. You ever notice, I mean, you just look at, I, I know we've got Eugene's kids here today, and uh, I'm sure there's others that are in the kids' ministry. You ever notice, you ever just pay attention to kids and how they walk like mom or they walk like dad? I mean, my, 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 me and my wife make those uh, comparisons all the time as we look at our kids now and we're watching them grow and develop, and I can tell, boy, my daughter gets that strength from you leah we're always making these comments or when somebody's fussy you know i'm quick we're quick to point out oh yeah they get that attitude from you anybody else with me i mean you recognize these qualities because our kids i mean there's things that are built into them but as they're watching as they're observing their parents they just they begin to imitate them whether they realize it or not in fact one of the conversations that how many of you got blessed by the Christ for the Nation students who were with us this last week? Weren't they? Oh, it was just a breath of fresh air. They're still with us on Maui right now. They're enjoying the conference. In fact, we put them to work in the parking lot. They were directing traffic and helping all these cars park, but they were having a joy doing it. But while we were spending time with them, the question about mentoring came up. And, you know, I've had some great spiritual fathers couple spiritual mothers in my life people that I look to that I receive and I learn from and uh, the conversation came up because uh, uh, Miss Sharon who was the team leader for our Christ for the Nations team she shared with us this last Tuesday or Sunday night rather uh, she was quick to stand up and say now listen we're talking about mentoring I don't I can't handle 300 students coming to me every semester asking me will you mentor me because here's here's the problem most people think that mentoring and discipleship is let's sit down for coffee for an hour and let me tell you about my problems and let me let me tell you about my life and and she was quick to point out and I wholeheartedly agree with her Mentoring is not about let's sit and, and, and drink coffee and talk for hours. No, what I believe mentoring in discipleship is, is let's do life together. Come with me while I go to the grocery store. Come with me while I, while I feed homeless people. Uh, watch me. Be alongside me as we pray for people in a service. Or, you know, come be with me in the place of prayer. You understand? I mean, that's what most of my relationship was to Steve Hill. We'd sit down and we'd have conversations from time to time. But the majority of our relationship was, Jacob, come here. Do this for me. Jacob, watch how I handle this. In fact, you'll notice that Jesus, the, the education system of Jesus and the American education system are two very different things. Have I ever told you this before? This is, this is very interesting. You'll notice that the way we teach people is uh, sit, in the, sit in the classroom, get the education, for 18 years, plus four more, maybe more, if you're going for you know, some, some higher degree education, you know, for 18, 20, 25 years, sit in the classroom and listen to me. Sit, learn, then once you get a piece of paper, now go and do. Right? That's typically how we, we educate. Here's how Jesus, you want to know how Jesus did things? Come with me. Watch me preach the gospel. Watch me heal the sick. Watch me cast out devils. Watch me do this. Then, step two, he would send them. 
Now you go preach good news and heal the sick and cast out devils. You saw me do it, now you go do it. Now, this is where it gets interesting. You know what the third part of Jesus' method of discipleship was? The third part is, now I'm going to teach you. Let me give you an example. Jesus, you see, there was a number of times, the Gospel of Mark is the best example. You'll see a number of times where Jesus was dealing with demonic manifestations. They would watch Jesus cast out demons. And then Jesus later on gave authority to the 12 and sometime later authority to the 70 saying, now you have authority, go cast out devils. And in Matthew 10, they came back, the Bible says, and they were astonished saying, Jesus, even demons have authority to us in your name. You remember what Jesus did? He taught them. He had not taught them yet. Watch me, you go do it. Wow, it worked, Jesus. Then he taught them. You want to know why? Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. You want to know why you have authority over demons? It's because you have heavenly authority. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God in his position. And now that you're seated with God, you have authority. You'll remember he did the same thing. Even with a failed experience, Jesus is on the mountain, Peter, James, and John, transfiguration. They come down from that mountain experience and they're dealing with a demonized boy and they can't cast the devil out of him. Jesus takes authority and again, he teaches them. It worked this time. It didn't work this time. Well, let me teach you. This is a matter of prayer and fasting. And he began to instruct them. Isn't it interesting? We get it so different. It's like, no, you have to go through three years of discipleship before we'll let you do anything in the church. Did anybody notice here at King's Kona, we do things a little differently. Like our first time guests here today, you guys are welcome if you're here another week. You can greet next Sunday. Like you can just, come on, you you can preach if you want to next week. I I mean, we're just like, we're, get in this thing, man. Let's start doing something. But we'll teach you along the way. Like, watch, watch us as we do the work of the Lord, and then we're going to release you to do the work of the Lord, and we'll bring instruction along the way. That's how Jesus did things. That's what discipleship is. That's what I think it is to imitate God. We're going to observe Him. We're going to watch Him. And we're going to be like Him. Now, boy, I, I spent a lot of time on that. Verse 2, let's, let's continue. You guys with me today? I feel like you are. Hallelujah. Number two, is, uh, verse two rather, live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, there's a very interesting study. I, I don't have time to go through it. Maybe I will on another occasion but when it talks about that pleasing aroma there's actually three old testament uh, sacrifices that the bible says was pleasing to the lord and, and and jesus fulfilled all of those things it was a sacrifice of 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 giving it was a it was a sacrifice of worship and it was a sacrifice of time um, i don't have time to, to expound on all of those there were two types of offerings that were Uh, not pleasant to the Lord, but were necessary, and both of those were dealing with sin. And what you'll notice here is Jesus, His expression of love was self-sacrifice. You want to know how we're going to love people? Self-sacrifice. 
I'm willing to give of my time to love you. I'm willing to lay down my preferences to love you. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my attention. Uh, you know, I just, I want to be a church that looks like that. I'll just be candid with you. One of the things that I love, I, I maybe told you, we had a, a family who came into the church and they've been in this community for a long time, seasoned believers. And, uh, and I'm always interested, especially if somebody knows the Lord and they've been walking with the Lord and then they, they, they find that, man, I, I love King's Kona and I want to be here. I always want to find out why. You know, what is it that appeals to you about our church as opposed to any other church? And one of these couples, they, they told me, and this, this blessed me so much, they said before they heard the worship, before they heard the preacher, before they saw the kids' ministry or any of the facilities, they knew that this was the church for them. You want to know why? As they were pulling into the parking lot, they were smiling people, welcoming them at the corner. As they were approaching this, they saw people, you know, welcoming them and, and receiving them right here at the door. Somebody opened the door for them and somebody helped them to their seat. And, and just the entire time, before anything even began service-wise, there were people loving on them. And while him and his wife were sitting there, they, he said they, they leaned over to one another and said, this, this is the place. This is the church. And guys, I just, let's be that. Let's all be that. Now, now, now people will tell if you're fake, okay? If we got a fake usher standing out front and they just got a plastic smile on, people are going to recognize that, you understand. But if everybody in the church is loving, I don't care. They go back to the kids area. They meet our stewardship people. Uh, you know, I just, let's be a loving people. Let's be that kind of people. Amen. Now, this should be our motivation. There's a lot of things that are covered in the coming verses. I'm not going to park on hardly any of them. But I, I just want to remind you that the sacrifice of Jesus should always be a motivation for you and I to live for him. Um, I don't know if I said that really well. Jesus laid down his life for us. While we were sinners, Romans 8 says, he died for us. Not when we had earned it. He was willing to lay down his life for us even when we were still in all of our mess. And we should always keep that at the forefront of our mind. Jesus is worth living for. Righteousness is worth pursuing. Love is worth pursuing. Self-sacrifice, serving one another. All of these things are worth doing because Jesus was willing to lay down his life for us. If my statement isn't enough, then uh, maybe a story can help us in this. I, I've shared this story before. But I was, I was deeply impacted the first time I ever walked into the office of Steve Hill. Uh, just inside his office and off to the left, he had a newspaper article that was framed in, on the wall. And what it was is you could see a picture and there was a, there was a young man who was completely wrapped in bandages who was laying in a hospital bed. And so, you know, we talked for a little bit, but he told me about that that newspaper article and why he had that there in his room. What happened is, this is a true story, it's a 15-year-old boy from Arizona. And what happens is this young boy wakes up in the middle of the night and he smells smoke. 
He gets up out of his bed and he realizes that his house is on fire. And so he goes down the hall. He is on the second story. He goes down the stairs and he goes right out the front door. And he's standing in the front yard now watching his house go up in flames. But as he's standing there, I mean, he's totally fine. He doesn't have a burn. He's not been hurt at all. But as he's standing there on, in the front lawn of his house, he hears the screams of his little brother inside. And he realizes that his five-year-old brother is still inside. So this young man, 15 years old, he goes back into the house, back up the stairs. Now the flames are beginning to rage all around him. He goes down to the very end of the hallway to the last room on the, on the second story where he heard his brother's cries coming from. It's his room. He goes into that room. He sees his little brother hiding there in the closet. He grabs his brother and he begins to run back down the stairs or back down the hallway. And before he gets to the end of the hallway, his pajamas begin to catch on fire. He goes down the stairs and by, he throws his brother out into the front lawn. And by the time he's out there, he is completely engulfed in flames. He hits the ground. He begins to roll around and, uh, and, and the flames are extinguished. But by the time the fire is out, he's been completely burned brother has been saved and now he's in the hospital and miraculously he lives he saved his brother they begin to perform procedures on him to try and save his life and miraculously he does live but but he's very badly scarred from one the top of his head to the very soles of his feet he is one piece of scar tissue his entire body his hair doesn't grow in right uh, you know his eyes and, and and there's parts of his body that have been completely melted and burned away because of this fire and the reason that steve hill had that picture hanging in his wall is it's a reminder can you imagine how that five-year-old brother now a decade has passed he's 15 years old he gets up and he looks in the mirror and he's he's got smooth complexion he's a handsome young man uh, not one scar not one burn on his entire body and you imagine looking at his brother he's 25 almost almost 30 years old now and you imagine he looks at his brother and everywhere they go people look at him strangely Here's a guy whose ear has been burned off, whose skin doesn't grow, his hair is patchy. and they, I mean, everywhere they go. Can you imagine walking through the mall or going through Target and, and people just looking at him strangely and, wow, what happened to that guy? I can imagine that that younger brother every day of his life is reminded as he looks in the mirror and as people look at his brother strangely, you can imagine how he would come to his defense. Don't look at him like that. You don't know. What he sacrificed for me. I should be dead. But because he was willing to sacrifice for me, I'm alive. Every day of his life, that younger brother is going to feel an obligation to his older brother. Church, think about what Jesus has done for you. You realize even in Revelation, John looked upon Jesus and he still bore his scars. Jesus still looks as a lamb that was led to the slaughter. I want you to think about every day of our lives we should live with this obligation that you know what? I should be dead. 
I should be dead. I should be dead in my sins. I should be dead forever, but I am alive. So many of you said earlier, yes, I've received the light of Jesus Christ. I've I've received that new life. If you have received that life, don't forget there was a cost to it. Don't forget Jesus laid down His life for it. Every day of our lives we should live in remembrance of who Jesus is and what He has sacrificed for each and every one of us. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. So good. It's a fitting story when you consider this weekend. As as we shared and we prayed, we honored our, our veterans just a moment ago. When you're grilling out at the beach tomorrow, you just take a moment to remember there were people that were willing to sacrifice. Some to the point of laying down their lives so that you and I can hang out on the beach. Wow. Am I getting heavy for you? A little bit, okay. Look at verse 3. Oh, it's not going to get easier. Okay. <laughs> but look at this. this is, here's our motivation, right? Jesus sacrificed. And so here's, here's what it says. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Now, these, by the way, this is what's interesting. This is a, these are dealing with very broad and very large issues. The word there, sexual immorality, is the word pornea. And it's a very broad word, and it includes all forms of sexual immorality. Anything that God's not blessed, anything that's not within the confines of, of marriage, um, is sin. And then it goes on, impurity. Again, it's a very broad term. It's talking about being morally clean. How many of you can honestly, I mean, most people, most people would say they've done interviews on this kind of stuff. Do you think you are generally a good person or a generally bad person? And most people will acknowledge I'm generally a good person. And I think most people, Christian or not, have a desire, I want to be a good person. There's very few people in the world who are just like determined, I'm going to be evil. You know what I mean? There's, there's very few people that live like that. No, people generally desire to be good. But how many understand, according to the biblical standard, none of us are good. We've all failed very miserably. And this is exactly why we need Jesus. He is our righteousness. The Bible says that that He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Literally, Jesus has taken our sin upon Himself and He gives us His perfect, His righteous, His holy life. We can't make it on our own. We need Jesus. Again, I want you to say, thank you, Jesus. And so he talks about greed there. We need to be a generous people. We need to be a giving people. And by the way, this isn't even talking about an offering bucket right now. We already did that part of our service. This is talking about, are you the type of person that can be called on in a time of need? Do your neighbors know If I need something, I can call this person. I just, again, I want to appeal to you. There's so many, wow, the church is full of hypocrites, and oh, I don't want to go to that kind of, the people are so mean, and they're so hypocritical, and they're so judgmental, and I, 
I just want to destroy that. I, I, I don't want to be the type of person to forsake, you know, there's guys that don't want to be called Christian anymore because there's so many people that have ruined that name. I'm not in that camp. I want to redeem the name. And I want it to be known. You know what? You know, people can say, you know what? Church people are hateful or judgmental. But there's something about that king's church. Anybody with me? Let's, let's be the change agent. Let's be, like we were hearing about last week, the reformers. Let's be the kind of people that, that change the perception. And you know what? I can't speak for everything that goes on in the world, but I know those king's people really love people. I know they're a generous people. I know they're a kind people. I know, I know that, man, it doesn't matter what your background is. They're, they're just going to love on you. I need my worship team to come. I, I'm only about halfway through this. I'm going to give you one test and then we're, and, 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 and we're going to close. It says, verse 4, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. I like the way the Passion Translation reads. It says, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. Here's, here's the test. How do you know if a comment you're making, you know, well, is that considered a coarse joke? Uh, you know, is this inappropriate or is this wrong for me to talk about? You know, even James 3 talks about how out of the same mouth comes cursing and blessing. And it should not be that way. Can a spring produce fresh and salty water? Can a fig tree produce olives? And on and on and on. And so what I want to encourage you gives us the problem and the solution watch the way you talk watch the stories you tell watch how you talk about and to other people but then it says instead let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words before you curse somebody what you should ask is what is God's delight in that person before you go and, and talk down about somebody or, you know, I just would challenge you, like, what does God see in that person? It, it's, you notice it's really hard to slander people that you're praying for. Are you guys with me? It's hard to slander people that you've earnestly, genuinely been praying for. And so before you... Go talk about something that's going on. I, I told you last week, I got rebuked by Pastor Hennessy because the conversation about a pastor who'd fallen in sin came up and I, you know, and I, I gave my two cents. And there was a part of that conversation that was fine. So it's, it's okay to be aware of things that are going on. But I knew when I had crossed over that line and Hennessy stopped me and said, well, what's the Lord's delight in their life? Even though they failed, even though they've sinned, can we still look and say, you know, Lord, you still love them. You've still got a desire. You've still got a plan for their life. And boy, it really caused me to, to pause there for a moment. Now, I don't have time for this. Uh,
Can we just stand all across the room? Can we just stand right now? We're going we're gonna to draw this thing to a close. This all hinges around one single idea. Everything. You want to know what the key is? I, I believe the greatest way that we're going to live above sin, you see, whether it's sins of the mouth or sins that, that we're acting upon, sins of the mind, the greatest motivator is not that a preacher is going to scream at you about the wrath of God. And I believe in that kind of stuff. I actually like that sometimes. But I'm telling you, the greatest motivator in our lives is the love of Jesus. It's the love of Jesus. I honor and I'm faithful to my wife, not because I fear that she's going to murder me if I'm ever unfaithful to her, even though that's true. But my greatest motivation to, to honor and be faithful to her is my love for her. I don't want to hurt her heart. I don't want to violate our love for one another. And so, yeah, there's a fear factor there. And that's not inappropriate. But I love my wife. I tell you, the judgment of God is real. It will come upon all unbelievers. It will. But what's going to motivate you to stay and to live right? Jesus, you love me so much. You laid down your life for me. Come on, we've got a song here. Can we just honor the Lord for a minute in worship? Come on, let's just lift this up.
stepped into his grace or his forgiveness or any of that yet but he's been pursuing you whether you realize it or not the Bible says if we'll call on the name of the Lord we'll be saved we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead he said we will be saved our sins will be forgiven and you're gonna step into listen not a set of rules when you give your life to the Lord we don't hand you a copy of the Ten Commandments no what you've stepped into is a loving relationship with a Savior who loved you so much he was willing to sacrifice and that's a God worth living for I want to lead us in a prayer right now with every head bowed every every eye closed would you just lift both your hands to the Lord and let's just let's ask Jesus to do a fresh work in our life would you just pray this with me right out loud dear Jesus I ask you, Lord, forgive me. I've fallen short. I've sinned. But I thank you. You shed your blood so I could be forgiven. You laid down your life so I could have eternal life. Jesus, forgive me. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. From this moment on, I am yours and you are mine. Live your life through me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live a life that honors you. Be my Savior. 
Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we praise God? Wow. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. I got to get out because our, our Discover track is going on, which you're, please, you're welcome to join that at any time. Would you just lift your hand once again and just let me speak of the blessing of God over you. Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait on the Lord, obey his word and seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his light upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Amen.